0: Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hey, folks, welcome to Life Point. Thank you so much for listening. If you tuned in last Thursday, you know that I had my nephew, Dr. Kevin Doherty from Baylor University, sociologist, uh, professor, online. And I asked him if he'd join me again today, and he graciously agreed. And Kevin, it's good to have you with us again.
1: Glad to be back, Tom.
0: And it's good to have uh, my associate, uh, Pastor Max uh, Buchanan, again. Thanks, Max. Yeah, for sure. But we we had some interesting conversation last week about your studies uh, dealing in uh, in the church, because you have uh, certainly done a lot of... uh, uh, papers and things about that, and with things changing like they're changing, we um, we're seeing some interesting things. But Kevin, we talked off air a little bit about you've done some uh, studies uh, on a couple things. One is the importance of small groups, which I think is something we really need to talk about, and also the racial and ethnic diversity. And you know, and and uh, in Idaho, of course, Idaho is very much Caucasian state. And but uh, we have uh, some racial diversity in our church. We are we have a lot of it actually, and I love it. We are represented by uh, African American, by Mexican, and by a Samoan. Uh, what do you call that? Hawaiian Tongan Tongan uh, community, and it's just, it, it's just awesome because we all come together, and that's the way it should be because we are all obviously all one. But we'll talk about a few of those things. And since I just brought that up. Tell me a little bit about that study with the racial uh, diversity.
1: Sure. So um, I was, you know, I grew up in a, uh, in a, in a racial context where my, my father in ministry, um, we would go every year to an annual camp meeting. And at this camp meeting, there were um, many black clergy and worshipers, and, and I watched my father interact. With these, um, with these black fellow ministers, and listen to them preach. And in fact, I, as a child, I remember loving the the black preachers because it was so much more enjoyable for a child in the pews to watch the black preacher in the front than it was to watch the sixty-year-old white man.
0: So, (laughs) still that way. Still that way.
1: Growing up, that most people, most church-going Americans, that is not their experience. That in fact. They, they grow up singing, you know, singing uh, uh, red and yellow, black and white, um, all are precious in God's sight. But when they look around their Sunday school room, everyone else is white. Yeah. So, you know, we, it's this incredible disjuncture between what people believe, that all people are created equal, that everyone's going to be in heaven, and how they practice their faith here on earth. And so, as I'm doing a graduate studies, I'm, you know, doing a PhD, I'm, in this course on race and ethnicity, and I had to write a paper for the end of the semester, and I thought, well, I'm going to find out, you know, how many people go to church with others that don't look like them, and I was shocked by what I discovered. Oh wow! It, it was uh, a tiny fraction of American churchgoers that were in a congregation mm. with even um, a, a small token of of racial or ethnic diversity. In fact, it, it, in 1998, 90 percent of Americans. Went to went to a worship, uh, attended a, a congregation where nine out of ten of the people in pews looked just like them. So here we are as a society, one of the most diverse industrial, uh, high income societies in the world. Um, in places like Los Angeles and Chicago and Houston, that there's a there's more non-whites than there are whites in many of these settings. Yet still, on Sunday when we go to worship. Were people that worship in segregation. So Mm. that led me down a path of trying to figure out why is American religious life still so segregated? And for the congregations that are, like Cloverdale now, managing to uh, have some degree of, of racial and ethnic diversity, how do they do it? And that's generated, I think, I don't know, 14 or 15 studies now that I've published on that particular topic.
2: Oh, uh, that's, interesting
0: that is very interesting and it and it is so vital in in life that that is as the Bible says, we are all certainly created equal and and there's nothing I think more frustrating for many, many people like myself and like max as is how we see and even today you see uh some of the prejudice out there i just i if there's one thing that drives me. Crazy, it's that. I just I just I yeah. hate that. I hate reading things. I hate reading things in the Midwest and the South. And of course we are so different in the South because we've never had to deal with a ton of that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Um, right. It's interesting too, just even the Bible's take on it, because you read Revelation, it says all tribes, all nations, all tongues. Even when it, when God's having conversation with Abraham, He says all people will be blessed by the, you know, by you know the eventual coming of Jesus and everything. And so it's just kind of interesting to to see that. And so, what are some of the reasons why uh, the church has stayed so segregated from your research? Sure, yes,
1: absolutely. Well, the the big reason is that um, we've although we live in the same country we don't um, we we don't share the same cultural practices mm. and that when we seek when most americans seek a place to worship they're not seeking a place to challenge themselves they're, they're seeking a place to be comforted mm. and you find comfort people find comfort in what is familiar to them and that's in terms of singing in terms of preaching in terms of the food that's served at the potluck dinner and, and so when we close our eyes and we think about um, church or worship, we see that in racialized ways. Mm. And, and it's different for black Americans than it is for whites. It's different for Latinos than it is, than it is for Filipinos or for Thai or for Chinese or Japanese Americans. And, and so we have built um, our religious organizations around these differences, Instead of challenging, in most places, challenging the idea that, okay, this is the way that it is, but is this the way that God wants it to be? Mm. So is our current practice the design of our Creator for humanity? And so in some ways, and I think in all sorts of ways, we do church in ways that are familiar and comfortable to us without asking the harder questions of, is this God's design for Mm. society? And for the way we should live. It is, it, it's the way we live, but is it God's ideal design for how we should live? And so we've developed religious organizations that, are, that cater to our specific ethnic preferences. Hmm. And we can go to churches that sing our types of songs and serve our type of music. And by doing that, what we've done is made those congregations nearly impossible to accommodate diversity. Mm, because mm-hmm. if we're going to bring together people from different races and ethnicities, there's going to have to be some give and take for every group. No one's going to get everything that they want in those settings. And unless we're willing to do that, it's almost impossible for those congregations to survive very
0: long. Hmm, well, that's very interesting, but uh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, we love our church, and we love the diversity, and we we and it's it's, it's exciting to just to worship god together and and practice uh, loving each other no matter who we are cuz we are all a child of the king hey in the last uh, few minutes here kevin talk a little bit about something very important to us it's we have a small group ministry and it, it it's okay it's not it's certainly not top top notch but we've we've got i don't know 15 16 small groups but tell me about your studies we got about 4 minutes left sure. about that
1: yeah, so small groups are really an important part of, of deepening people's faith, because for particularly in large churches, you come on Sunday morning and you sing with two, three, four hundred, or in some places, two, three, four thousand people. Um, those aren't settings for, for fostering meaningful relationships. And where real growth and spiritual discipline and, and spiritual maturity occurs is in small relational contexts where people know you, you can be accountable to them, they can speak hard words of truth, and you're willing to hear and respond because you trust them. And so small groups, whether they're Sunday school classes or home Bible studies, they're critically important, especially in larger churches as a place for people to come together to develop relationships and to do the really meaningful and sometimes messy work of spiritual growth.
0: Well, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's well said and and, and well stated. We we wish that uh, we could get even a greater uh, movement of that. In fact, we have uh, uh, small groups that have uh, started even uh, through the virus. I mean, at the tail end of it, have now wanted to start meeting together because they miss that community. Yes. You know, and they have a lot in common. Like I have a small group in, in my house that we meet. There's about 11 of us every Wednesday that, uh, and, and we're we're certainly different in ages and stuff, but we, we come together. Man, we love each other. We share with each other things. We probably wouldn't share out with the public uh, right. in a public forum. And, and each other prays for each other, and then you get all the, uh, I guess they call them threads where everybody's texting yes. back and forth. It's yes. it's kind of interesting, but it really does uh, uh, create a bond. and And I wish we can we need to develop that more. That's one thing I think as our church, uh, the strength would be if we could uh, develop that that even more i even even max you've had small groups in your youth ministry
2: yeah and it's been vital i mean when i came in the youth group was smaller so everybody had those relationships now that we've been able to break things up and have a junior high a guys small group junior high girls high school it's it's just really been uh, super needed because you know they're worshiping with 50 60 other kids on a sunday morning so to have a smaller group of 9 10 11 guys all together or girls all together it just has been uh, really vital for them in, in growing in their relationship with Jesus.
0: Hey, Kevin, uh, I know we've got about a minute, a little over a minute left. So you're in Waco, Texas. When I think of Waco, I think of the— uh, Fixer-upper. Well, I think, yeah, well, I, th- I think of the— <laughs> I hope so. I think, I, I think <laughs> of the cult that was the there. Branch Davidians. Branch yes. Davidians, that was it. How, yes. how, how far do you live from that compound?
1: Yeah, the— Branch Davidian Compound is actually about seven miles outside of Waco, but okay. because we're the nearest town, it got labeled, okay. you know,
0: the Waco tragedy,
1: the Waco disaster, yes. uh, the Waco siege. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit out of town.
0: Okay. I've just, uh, that, that was always interesting, because I think the world followed that, or the nation, certainly. Well,
1: and I've I've been out to the compound, I've met survivors, I've read biographies. It, it, it's still a part of Waco, even though now it's largely been eclipsed by Chip and Joanna Gaines and Fixer Upper. Yeah,
2: there oh, you go. Yeah. Hey, that's a better thing to be known for, though, I think.
0: Oh, and my wa- absolutely, yeah. And my wife loves that. She just absolutely loves that. <laughs> uh, have you met Chip and uh, Joanne?
1: Met them, but um, I've seen them on multiple occasions. In part because season three, one of the houses was right across the street from us, so we watched the whole, oh,
2: whole nice.
1: development process and saw them do the filming. And so, nice. yeah. oh,
2: there you go.
0: Well, hey, buddy, we, uh, we've we got to run. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Kevin. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I don't get to talk to you much. I guess I could call. I'm sorry. I've been a lousy uncle to you. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you have not. But uh, I just I, we miss you. We wish your family is here. you got a great family, and, and we're out of time. But, hey, hopefully maybe this year we can catch up again on the radio and uh, maybe talk about some other things that you might be able to give us some insight on. Absolutely. All right. Well, Lord bless you. <laughs>